I'm Ricardo Fuller, and you're listening to the Wizard of Driven Podcast. start perhaps even before you move to Stoke then uh, how does uh, a guy from Jamaica end up moving to Britain for football well to be fair it's a it's a, a very long story to be honest um, but the short of it is um, playing for Jamaica th- through the ranks um, played it under, under 12 never got selected for the, the Milo Classics that we went to Miami um, disappointed cry my eyes out at <laughs> imagine 12 11 or 12 years old um, Got selected for the Jamaica in the 17, um, because that's the ranks, to under 12s, under 17, then under 20s. Um, got selected for the under 17. Um, we were doing too much running of the stadium, and at that, that time, probably a 15-year-old didn't like running. So I used to stay at school, high school, and the Tuesdays and Thursdays when we used to do the running, I used to tell the coach that I've got exams, but I didn't. Um, so yeah, um, follow to that team again. Um, so never get selected at the last the last hurdle to be you know to travel to my usually Jamaica team go to Florida we have the Florida Classics yeah. Miami Classics as we call it teams from Sweden come and used to have a massive tournament there um, so that's how the Jamaican program used to work so anyway um, start playing for my local club now Tivoli Garden got um, got selected in the domestic league um, we won the tournament at whatever 16 it is um, playing a lot of football 17. Got selected for the under 20 team, Jamaica under 20. All kicked off from there. Dream tournaments, went to the Pan Am Games in Canada, um, in Winnipeg. Um, we finished, we, we lost the semi final, so we finished fourth. We lost the, the, the third and fourth leg against Costa Rica. Um, and a scout was there, Philip Graham. He, bought, he, he was the one who was instrumental with Ricardo Garden coming to Bolton. Mm. 98 World Cup when we qualified for the World Cup in France. Mm. Um, so he was a scout, he was an agent that was moving players from Jamaica and that's how I ended up here. He saw, us, he saw me in the tournament against, um, in the, the Panam Games in Canada and I was on, I think, seven goals in the tournament. I was leading goal scorer in the tournament that we had, like, I think um, uh, Clint Dempsey was playing in that tournament as well, <laughs> Fulham and Tottenham. Yeah. So we, played, we lost against them 3-1 in the, quad, in the semi-finals, so, so we got knocked out. US beat us in the semi-finals. Um, so he saw me in the games, in the tournament, and said to me, look, um, he wanted to be my agent. He's Ricardo Gardner's agent, and um, I wanted to come in trial. Charlton is, is very interested, uh, Charlton Athletic, that is. Alan Kerbis, who was the manager at the time, Mervyn Day, um, Keith Peacock, that was the, the coaching team, never forget. Um, so I came on trial, and that's how I ended up here. Yeah. Philip Graham brought me, brought me here um, on trial for Charlton Athletic. Now, we, uh, we've spoken to Danny Higginbottom before for the podcast, and he says... Uh, he was the one who got you to sign for Stoke, yes, is that right? that's true, that's true. He was very instrumental because Dan, um, obviously me playing at Southampton at the time, we had Danny, Rory, all the players that you know played for Stoke, Kenwin, we were all there at the same time. Um, Danny made a move before, obviously me coming to Stoke. Um, and um, obviously playing in the game, I think, well, yeah, yeah, I had a season left on my contract when George Burley came and took over because of, remember the situation with... Um, Ari Redknapp went going mm-hmm. back from Southampton back to Portsmouth because Ari brought me from Portsmouth mm. to Southampton and then he went back <laughs> and left me there to rot. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Danny came to Stoke and then um, I've always done well against the manager, um, Mr. Tony Pulis at the time when I was at Preston, Drew Matter at Preston, he was at Plymouth and I used to, you know, obviously, um, when I scored a few goals against his teams, um, he's always you know, come up and shaking hands after the game. He's always a nice and polite manager and always showed me respect and obviously when Danny gave me a ring and, and obviously called uh, to tell me that the manager is interested in signing because Southampton wanted to get rid of the players that they consider was on premiership wages or whatever they call it because of they, they went down in the championship um, and they were doing poorly as well so I came back off loan from Ipswich Josh Burley was the manager scored nine goals in whatever game it was got player of the month that, that, that period saved the team from 21st we finished 10th that, that, se- that season and then, obviously, with me doing so well, I guess the man that made up Mr. Pulis's mind to say, 
let's I'm making a squad now that want to challenge for the ambitious enough to challenge for to get promotion. Let me get these players in. He brought Danny Danny in bottom and Danny was the one who said no. He's a quality player. I think they wanted to sign Dexter Blockstock as well. But Danny mm. said nah nah nah. He's quality and he's a good player and he's you know good for the dressing room and everybody knows what I'm like. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Danny was very instrumental. So I so said I ended up Danny gave me a ring actually and let me know that. So I said no problem, got one year left, I don't mind. And I also took a wage cut to come to Stoke. (laughs) They must not forget that. Um, Yeah. And they got me for cheap as well. (laughs) Well, fair play to the manager and the club. They they take the the, the, the gamble, whatever it was, and it paid off and we're all happy. But Danny Danny and the manager got to give them great credit uh, for me bringing up Stoke. So so when you you, you said then that Tony Pulis was ambitious, wanting to put this squad together, when you you came to Stoke then, was it a case of you were told this is what we're trying to do we're trying to go for promotion or what was what were the aims when you came to stay exactly um during the phone call danny told me the manager is ambitious and we're looking to get promotion and he's got he's assembling a, a squad now i don't know if the manager told danny to say that but that's what <laughs> he said uh, and uh, as well you know new owners i think at the time they just bought back the club from mm-hmm. the icelandic owners um but when i came when i actually signed and spent three and a half months in the Holiday Inn Hotel at Junction 15. Nice. I lived there for three and a half months watching this place built up. Okay. Because the manager, the gaffer used to live beside me in the apartments, you see. Um, so he, he showed me, I was looking for play, you know, when normal customs when players come in, the club helped them trying to find where to live. So they had the brochures of houses and the gaffer told me that there's this new development going on where he lives. Come have a look at it, it's really nice. And when I walk, when I drove in here, I thought it's really nice and the security was perfect for me. Because I, I obviously I was I was a Jamaican international at the time, and I used to go go home every three months for games and stuff. So I needed to know that my house would be safe. Um, so when I came and I saw it and I saw the plan, I said, "Yeah, I'll have this property." Um, so when I came to Stoke, first day of training, the grass was this high. <laughs> I said, "Danny, are you sure you said ambitious? <laughs> really? We didn't even own the property. We were training at." Um, Michelin, oh, yeah. same plate woods which you end up buying, but lovely, lovely, if you vision what it is now, whoever bought the property, the coast mm-hmm. only got to give them maximum, maximum respect because they turn it into something unbelievable now, yeah. it's top draw, fit for premiership any day long, um, so yeah, when I came I saw the grass this high, we had like two porter cabins, they wasn't even brand new, they were used, they, they were, they were used, remember, Villa or yeah, something they like were used, <laughs> and we used to share it sometimes with a we didn't really have an academy. We had like the under the reserve at yeah, the time yeah. they were called, which is the under three, twenty-three mixed with some of the second string, second team players who were not performing. You know, drop down a notch. We should share it with them. Um, so yeah, and I thought. Mm, but anyway, me being me, I get along with the football side of it. Um, the manager showed me love and respect, and you know, we had Danny. I think we had Lee Hendry. Yeah. We had Dominic Matteo, and I thought. Not a bad team. These guys have done really well in their careers and, you know, still doing it um, at this level. Uh, we had Patrick Berger mm-hmm. at one time, Jody Craddock. And I thought, yeah, we could go we could go all the way here. So on that aspect, I thought, yeah, that's ambitious enough for me. Never mind the training ground. Yeah, the Lee Hendry signing was, a, I think, big one for State. It was kind of like, it kind of took us from that mid-table team to the end of that season, we started challenging for the playoffs. Definitely. And then that summer, that summer we signed Leon Court and Ryan Shaw. Yes. And then, then we start to build from there. Definitely. In that promotion season, then, it, it, was there a point where you thought, right, we can definitely go up now? Or was that something that gradually like, built up over the season? Well, it did build up from the, the season before. Because, as you say, we had Lee Andrew, who was by the way, was driving a Ferrari coming to training. <laughs> so it, that's a statement right there. That's ambitious right there. That's his players say, that's players who was never touched in the Premier League, who was never seen Lee Andrew before, who have played with Lee Andrew, suddenly turned up at Stoke. Seeing the engine now saying, wow, I want a Ferrari for myself. Are we going to get that? We've got to have to play football. We've got to have to win games. We've got to have to upper performances. And that's what those kind of things does when the manager brings these kind of players in. Dominic Matteo was driving a Range Rover, come to training. How many Stoke players at that time had a Range Rover? I remember Ford Focus. When I turn up to the training ground, there's a lot. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Don't disrespect. Um, but those kind of things give players something to aim towards. Um, so we build the momentum from the first season where we ended up, I think we finished seventh. Yeah. We, we missed up by two points, I think, mm-hmm. for the playoff. So the momentum was building from there. And the gaffer, him being him, very clever, very shrewd manager, top manager, 
put together what was missing, Ryan Shawcross, quality signing from Man United, who was not getting in first team games at Man United, but very aspiring young player to come, which proved to be a right decision. Leon Court, who was doing well at the clubs that he was before, solid defender. Gabriel Zakwani at one stage as well, we had, who was a nail bite and hard tackling, and, and that is Tony Pierce's yeah. style. Um, so the momentum coming from the first season actually put us, put us through through this, the second season where we got uh, my second season in, at the club where we ended up got promoted because when you look Ryan I think scored eight goals that season mm-hmm. and Liam Coates scored seven goals that's mm-hmm. that's fifteen goals right there mm-hmm. you know what I mean so and that's what we need the goals are spread all all around the team Liam Lawrence midfielder scoring fifteen mm-hmm. um, at the time my score had fifteen as well I think and they had a few players chipping in but the momentum was built from the first season coming to the second season with the addition of other players coming in, like as I say, those players coming was fantastic for the squad. Yeah. Uh, Creswell was another signing as well. He, he scored about ten goals from left exactly. Game. Was it not a bit of a surprise to see him play like on the left? Because everyone thought, oh, it'd be going to be Creswell. He's a top. He's a, yeah. Well, we had that partnership at Preston, don't we? Yeah. Because I know Cresy from Preston, but Cresy come to stop before me. Um, and Cresy, I think, was the leading goal scorer at, at, at Stoke. And was at Preston. So when I came to Preston, he was and I and I overthrow him again because that's me. I like to be number one. I like to score. I like to. I like the fight. I like the challenge. Um, so when Crazy came, the first thing he says, "You again, Rick." <laughs> so I never forget what he says. "You again, Rick." Oh, can I get rid of you, man? <laughs> I was starting to laugh, but we had great camaraderie. I mean, from Preston, David Ely, Richard Cresel, and myself, we had three, you know, amazing um, front 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 line with, with underneath Craig Brown. So me coming crazy had loads of goals on the wing. It was a bit um, with the Gaffer's formation. He loved wingers and he loved hard workers. He could not leave crazy out the team because of his momentum, his endurance up and down, non-stop. He's in everything, and the manager being the manager who he is, you know, the, um, the Mr. Tony Pulis, he's what that type of manager. He loves a battle. He loves a hard-working player. He'd rather have a player who works hard than a player who shows a lot of flair. Or he, as, as he called it, the tippy-tappy stuff. He don't like that. He'd rather woof it, woof, yeah. woof, you know what I like. But it's, it is played to your strength. Yeah. He assembles his team for that kind of direct football and that kind. He don't mind the tippy-tappy stuff. And he would say, give it to Rick who, who could do it. Who, you know, Because he knows me. He knows I like to do my stuff in the off- offensive turn. But he's no, he's no moron. You know, he's not stupid. He knows what he like. He let player play to their ability in the right, posi- the right offensive third or defensive third, he expected the defenders to clear out, no nonsense. And that's what happened. So crazy the man being up and down the wing. Um, it was, and we had um, Lee Martin, remember him? Yeah. And crazy could play left or right. So it was perfect. So crazy, I mean, he was amazing. He missed quite a few, but he still ended up with a lot, a lot. Because one thing with crazy, if he gets 10 chances, he's scoring, he might score, what, say three or four. But, He's not going to be one of them who's not going to want to be in the position to score again or miss another chance. He's not afraid to miss. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so brilliant about Crazy. But yeah, we share the goals around, and that's so important for the club with, with Crazy up front. Um, I think me and Mama, and he could leave Mama out because Mama, as I said, the system was Mama would do most of my running. Yeah. So when we lose, we used to play 4 4 2, or when we're defending 4 1 1. Because when we lose the ball, Mama would fill in on the defensive midfielder for the other team to kind of like nullify him. And that's how we play with our strengths and, and he does most of my running and most of the attacking I would probably try and do my stuff, trying to create, trying to score, trying to, you know, get fouls, assists, free kicks, whatever. Um, and that's what he does. So he couldn't leave Mama out mm. and, and, and he couldn't leave me out. I couldn't leave Crazy out. So what he ended up doing is playing Crazy on the wing. Yeah. Um, right. Mama, I think the game against West Brom at home in that promotion season where you get a hat trick. Yeah. And, 3-1 and you, you see uh, Mama Sidibe you don't associate him with a flick on but he plays a lovely little back heel 3-2-3 yes. first yes and that was just outside good. of the foot right foot yeah that was just like first the, goal the, the beautiful partnership that you had I think Mama only got four that season but, yes but he scored in Portland oh, yeah Bristol City yeah those two unbelievable goals those are the momentum pushers Bristol City and the Coventry games but Mama oh man I cannot even say this enough um, every time everyone anybody asks me an interview everyone knows Mama might not score a lot of goals but the work he does for the team and, 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 and the amount of um, effort without complaining it's mm. something to be really really um, having your team any 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 setup in that system where to play how we play you know, the Neil Warnock kind of playing uh, that get prom- Cardiff promoted, those kind of play. A player like Mama is so vital. I cannot 
emphasize that enough. Um, the flick-ons, he gets back, he tackles, he, he chases around. When we win it, he has to join me in 4-4-2. When we lose it, we go back in the 4-1-1 formation. Um, he's never shy to go into a tackle. You know, he, he's, he's selfless. And, and uh, he deserves every credit, you know. And when he does get his goal, those two goals, I remember for Bristol City, that we won 2-1, that kind of give us the momentum. I think that was one of the most important games with us getting promotion that year. And a lot of people agree with me as well. Because without winning, the, winning that game, our momentum, we could have lost our momentum and somebody would have probably sneak in at second place and we would have probably go through the playoff. And you know what playoff is like. Mm -hmm. Nobody can go yeah. know who's going to go through for sure in the playoff finals or, or in the playoff games. So it was important that we win that Bristol City game. And Mama came up trump in those two games. So I was really, really, everybody was happy for him in changing room because we all know the importance of Mama and the hard work that he does for the team. So quality player. And Arsenal as well when he... Meant that uh, when semi final, when we, and we, we lost the finals because of man, because that game against Arsenal, we won the FA Cup. Yeah. That was an important game. If we had lost that, we would have never made it to the FA Cup finals, which arguably we could have won. Um, that was a brilliant work they did on the right, and you know, mm. unbelievable cross, pinpoint cross straight to my forehead, bang, and it was a goal. Um, so Mama does those work time and time again without even complaining. Brilliant guy. <laughs> The, one of the most important games was the Coventry away game, uh, I think just before the Bristol City game. Uh, we've heard that uh, Tony Pulis played uh, any given Sunday, like a clip from yes. the film in the dressing room. Yes. Is that true? Absolutely, absolute truth. <laughs> because it's true, he, he does the same thing. He's no, he's no, he's no moron, he's, no, he's not stupid. He's, he's, he does everything he does has a meaning. Mm. He'll come up, like, fast forward, he'll come up before in the Bolton game where we won 5 0. Um, the pundits were all saying oh, Bolton is going to win that easy peasy for Bolton everyone was writing Stoke off and they had it in the papers you know what he did the, 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 the Monday leading up to the finals to the, to the semi-final he carried the paper in we had a meeting it was ready out in the meeting so you know what happened <laughs> as a player if someone says you're rubbish and they keep saying you're rubbish what are you going to do you're going to so are you going to rise to the occasion and say okay I'm going to show you I'm going to shut you up I'm going to show you it's rubbish and that's exactly what he did he uses things to create a reaction because he knows what he's like, he knows his squad. And that what happened in the Coventry game is that we had a lot of games. We were feeling depleted. I mean, we had so many games on the road um, and, and, and at home. We drawn, we haven't lost, we win. But the good thing was we weren't losing. But you know that we needed some, other than the 12th man, the fans at Stoke, at the Britannia, the fortress as we call it, we were away. So we, didn't, we know we're not going to have that. So he knew, no, he, we needed something because it's a long season. So what he did was bring that film in. We all sat and watched it. As players, we say, Gaffer, what kind of movie is this now? Come on, man, we want to go and train. Nope, no training today. We're watching this film. And when the movie starts, and by like nearly a third of the movie gone, everyone was like, <laughs> ready for the battle before it even started. And that's what he did. He uses those films. And you all know what that film is about. Yeah. Confidence, moral booster, determination. When you're tired, you still keep, you keep going. And he knew that we needed that lift and that movie just did exactly that because <laughs> the score told us that it did yeah. that. We were 1-0 one, one down, didn't we? Came yeah. back and won 2-0. 2, two, two Sorry, 2-1. Two, yeah. Me and Liam Lawrence came back. Come, came off the bench, I think we did. Yeah, we? yeah. Because yeah, we were tired and I was carrying knocks. Liam was carrying knocks all over. So, you, you know, you had to use the squad wisely and uh, we came on and we ended up winning that game uh, we had, I had a penalty and he scored the winner didn't we so we all know what that did but he's, he's brilliant for those kind of things absolutely brilliant uh, our last episode we spoke to Pottermouth yes who uh, I think you met before the Palace yes, game yes <laughs> yes first time yeah unbelievable huh? when, when did the squad first hear that and like what did you make of it because it's, it's kind of a, it's a very like strange little stoke thing that you did but it, it, it worked that's what I said to you it's just again similar to like the Any Given Sunday and the other uh, Moral Booster games um, videos that we got that we saw the gaffer let us watch because at that time again we needed that we needed something we needed a lift other than you know players doing the bits and pieces little magical moments or whatever or little you know dead ball free kick situation or set pieces or whatever we needed something than the fans was always there we know we're always going to get them there at, especially at home even away, you know, they're never afraid to, to be as loud as possible. But we needed something else. And at that moment, that was just perfect. That came about the right time. And the, the passion, the way he said it, 
when it was played to us. Yeah. It gave us that impetus, that gave us that confidence, gave us what we needed to say, never say die attitude. Because mm -hmm. I remember in this Conthorpe game, we were 2-0 down at the Britannia. Obviously, we got booed at half-time coming off. <laughs> that gave, that, and he absolutely used that again, the guy for in the changing room. Go and show those fuckers. That's what he says. In a good way, though. You know, man. Because he's, he's a fighter, ain't he? And he transferred his mentality into us. And that's what we needed at the time. With the Potomac going as well, it gave us that lift. Going to, into that Scunthorpe game. And he ended up winning that game 3-2. You know, and by, by the 2-1, 2-1 down, the fans came back. So we had, what, 12 against 11? on the pitch, basically, <laughs> and we ended up winning 3-2. So that Patamos gave us that drive, the way he said that, the way he brought across that, 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 that speech and that, that, the way it was read out to us, he just gave us that drive, that instilled that belief in us, even when we were so depleted and tired and, 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 and we needed a confidence boost and that was perfect. Would, would, perfect. You, would you say then that, that Tony Pulis was a real, like, obviously he, clever man playing videos, getting you motivated, but as a as a speaker himself then, could he get the team really motivated in the dressing room? Yes, he did. And he did it in, in different ways. As I say, he did it with the videos, he did it with the speech, he did it with the papers by reading out all those bad comments that they made about us. Remember when we, even even when we got promoted and they said yeah. we're the first team to go down and the book is all this nonsense paid out. Maybe he was lying, I'm not even sure. <laughs> but he, he, we had a meeting and he said it to us and, and automatically, you know, we being we, we're ready <laughs> Let's show them now. You know what I mean? And by halfway through the season, we we're already safe. So he does it in different ways by using the papers, whenever they say in the pundits say any bad comments about us. And he knew what it would do to us because he knows his, he know his squad. He, he knows his squad. Remember, he put that squad together. So he, he, he would look out for certain qualities within that particular play that he's bringing in. If he's good in the changing room, if he's good on the pitch with the boys, if he's a fighter, if he's one who gets a knock, he's going to come off and cry for his mom and go home. <laughs> he don't want that kind of play. He wants to play, get a knock, he get up and stand up and say, hit me again. That's the type of play he wants. Honestly, we used to have fights in the changing room, on the pitches, and after the, after the training session, everybody's friends again. Yeah. And he'd be cheering it, go on, Rick, go on, Liam, punch him again. <laughs> it's mad. You know, so that's why he is, and that's the mentality that we have. The way we play, we are very aggressive because we're a strong team, we're a big team, mm -hmm. we're direct, mm -hmm. we, we, we play with skills at times, but we know to play to our strengths, and that's what he does. He uses the videos, he uses the, the papers, he uses the comments from people, and, and, and he uses it in the way that he knows it's going to create that positive reaction which he's looking for. And that's a, that's, a qual that's a quality that any manager, even in the Premier League, wants to have because Harry Redknapp never used to coach. But he's one of the, probably one of the best motivators in, in football. A lot of managers don't coach here. It's the coach that does the coaching. Like, even probably Klopp. But the way he hugs the players, he gets them. Pep, you see how Raheem Sterling is doing, Delph, all these other players, Sani, just Blasom underneath him. They don't need to coach. They just need to motivate and use certain things. Psych, the, the psychology of it, the, the mental side of it is so important. And that's what Mr. Pulis has a lot in abundance. It was after that uh, Bolton game, uh, first season up, that Paddy Power did actually pay out on exactly. going down. Uh, the, the next game, of course, Aston Villa, probably my favourite Stoke game ever. It just <laughs> at the Britannia. Yeah. Yes. And Three two. The that goal you scored, <laughs> where you rinse Larson, Larson. Oh. flicked it over 360, <laughs> beat a. Arguably one of the best keepers at the time yeah. for, for seasons after seasons, Brad Friedel. Where does yeah. that rank? Is you yes. your best? Yeah, he's the best. That's the best. <laughs> he's the best. He's the best. The quality. You look at the quality of the the opponent, the quality of the keeper mm. himself to beat. Because at the time he was the he was probably the best keeper in the Premier League at the time for years as well. Um, Villa was doing well, well with him. They've done brilliant to tap them before he came to the Villa. So he was one of the best keeper. Even though he was getting older, he was a bit older. But you know with keeper, they can go on for a long time. The quality of the Aston Villa defence was, was good. Larson was an international player, mm. solid player for years. Um, and I had a torrid time with him, by the way, in that entire game. He didn't give me a sniff. And I just knew I had to do something. I had to try something because he would never... If I, if I sit, he was right here sitting beside me. Anywhere I go, he was right. He was not even giving me an inch to breathe. So I just remember that game. I had to do something special and I just... I made the run and I just saw the ball come out, so I had to try something. I just tried. 
me being me, those kind of things, I, I like to do them in training. Um, but you know what? It's a game. Try it. I tried it, and he didn't have a clue what was going on. I think he, he nearly fell down, didn't he? he lost his footing. Um, that gave me the the, the, um, the, the, the the momentum to get away from him a little bit. And obviously, the only thing I had to do was hit the target. I had to keep it to beat, and I thought, you know what? I have to beat him. So I hit it as hard as I can, as low as I can, and pass him when it went in the goal. It was unbelievable, yes. One of, he is the best goal. Scored quite a few, but that's definitely one of the best. That is definitely the best. And the winner, of course, is Mama from the Roy de Again, brilliant. Incredible. Couldn't moment. be a better guy to score the winner yeah. at, at the Britannia. First game back at the, in the Premier League at the Britannia. Um, so, yeah, absolutely brilliant. That was a chuff. Because, I mean, we lost against Bolton the first game, 3-1. But at that time, we only had me and Rory and probably Liam. Only a few players we had in the Premiership. And, and uh, Danny. Mm. Only a few players. Probably four players out of the, out of the, out of the 11 um, starting lineup, and then the rest on the bench, uh, the rest of the guys on the bench, wasn't even, never even had a, a premiership appearance. So um, we had a very um, inexperienced premiership team at the time, and we lost that three-one, and that kind of gave us a taste of what is to come. Mm-hmm. So for us to get that win, and the way we won that game as well, with the fans all behind us, yeah. kind of give us a yes, we can do it. Really, we can do it. You know, and it was a great game. Yeah, and f- so. We've spoken to, uh, to Danny about this as well. For the Roy de Lap throw-ins, yeah. like, was it that every single person had to do a particular thing from that throw-in to make it work? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's Mr Pulis, as I said to you. He's a top manager. I don't care what uh, anybody else thinks about him or the, the league see him or whatever. But he does... He's a military man, isn't he? He's, mm. we, we call him a dictator because <laughs> we never used to have any freedom. And as players, we moan about everything. Um, Every player would have, would have a We have to go, one, maybe the, the front the guy at the front will have to go on the back, maybe to move up that person, that defender. Then we had two players running in across. So if it missed the first one, it, it catch the second one. And the one going around the back, if it's a flick on, he, he can get the, the one at the back post. So it's perfect. Even even the free kick situation. We had Liam. We, were, we had one that we scored against, is it Barnsley? Or Bristol City away, yeah. When we run, run, and Liam ended up coming in, and I think it missed me, and Liam scored it. <laughs> From, yeah, we had we had everything was made to plan. I you know Rory being the best at this at this long throw. I mean, I've seen we see so many other people tried it after mm-hmm. and just couldn't do it as all weird, where it spiraled just like that flattened spiral, like as if it's a free kick. It's unbelievable we throw it, and we had people moving people out of position, and then me and Ryan would come in. And, and Liam Court would come in, bang, or, or, or Liam would come in, bang. And if they edit out, we have two players on the D who are ready to have a, have a free shot if, not, if they're not marked up, or volley or off volley or whatever. Um, and that's the way it is. Everything is precisely done to perfection with Mr. Pulis. <laughs> we spend hours, by the way, doing it in training yeah, now. Yeah. Hours, especially on a Thursday and a Friday. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that team under Pulis, then, like, you got the promotion, fantastic achievement. You got staying up, fantastic mm-hmm. achievement. Did that team kind of reach its limit on the Pulis? Because it got to the cup final, got into Europe. Could they have gone further in Europe? Were, were we a bit unlucky, do you think? Well, we could have gone a lot further in Europe. Because I don't think... I think you probably agree with me, because you probably know as well. I don't think Stoke wanted to go mm-hmm. further in that Europe Cup because of the Premier League is much more important. The club staying in the Premier League is almost more important. We go in 10 years, that's what they were probably looking for at least rather than we doing three years or four years or whatever it was or whatever it was um, at that time. So we could have gone a lot further than accomplished. Because remember, we lost to Valencia 1-0 at Britannia. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not. That's very close. Mm-hmm. We lost to um, Besiktas in Besiktas. That's my first game back, by the way. I've yeah, been yeah. out with my Achilles. Missed the, missed the, yeah, exactly. Missed the FA Cup finals because of my Achilles against Villa, did it. Um, we lost it 3-1 in the end because Rory got sent off. We were down to 10 man. I nearly had one. It could have been a penalty. Guy kicked me in the face when I di- tried dive header into the back of the neck. Guy kicked me in the face. Nearly break my neck. Um, and we, so we lost that game 3-1. So we could have gone further in that competition. We, we got away to Valencia. We lost 1-0 again. We, we could have we could have got something from that game, um, from that competition. But I don't think the club was interested in going further in that competition. With, with the squad now, you know what? I think that squad could have gone a lot further. Could have A lot of us could have remained at the club a lot longer as well. If... Obviously, the club was doing it the way they were doing it now, which turned out the way they do it now is the wrong way. They should have been doing it that time now with our group because rather than 
get rid of some of us so quickly. Maybe they thought that they did that wrong then, so they're trying to do that now. And maybe that's what got the club into this predicament because some of these players here now, the club is very lenient and loyal to them. For what reason? I don't know. They haven't achieved anything with Stoke, have they? So that's what I'm saying. The club could have had a little bit more quality to our group mm. and maybe would have been there a lot longer. Because these guys would have come maybe 12 years' time. Maybe, obviously, we got tennis in the Prem, maybe 12 years' time. You know what I mean? In hindsight, you look back, you say, no, our squad is really good. And we, were, we weren't losing many games. I think when I left the club, we, were, we, finished, we finished 12. That's, a, that's, a, that's the... When I left the club, that's the, that's the highest we finished, 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Liam's been saying a lot of stuff recently about how kind of your group kind of got uh, broken up and he's like, uh, tr- tried to come Too back, easy. Tr- tried to come back to the club for like a coaching role and stuff yeah. and they've not really been listening to him. Yeah, it, it's, it's just a shame, exactly. It's such a shame. And you look at Rory, a guy like Rory, we're just speaking about Rory, how loyal, how respected he is, how uh, selfless he is for the club. And a lot of us, Liam, myself, we still remain in the area. Danny Gimbottom, Matthew Hevington, all of these guys, we all tried um, to be a part of the, the club. Rory tried before, they told him no, or whatever they told him. He ended up going to Derby, he's now under 23, Derby's under 23, and they do it brilliantly. Matthew Hevington came, they said no for whatever reason. He's now Peterborough under 18's manager. Liam, they spoke to us about doing certain specific roles. Um, Liam doing the midfield, specific role, myself doing the strike a specific role Andy Wilkinson doing the defensive and psychology throughout the academy the only person today they state is Andy Wilkinson and they've barely given him anything like they took ages as well when you look at clubs like Liverpool uh-huh. uh, Ch- Ch- Chelsea Man United we're not saying we're Man United but we are Stoke mm-hmm. you know we are who we are mm-hmm. they should look after their players look at Frank Lampard he was coaching with, 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 with Chelsea doing his stuff there now he's Derby's manager at least give us a little bit of hand somewhere along. If you're not going to get um, use us to do with the club, which that would have been our dream and, and to work with the club, give us that exposure that, or that experience so we can go on and be better. And in turn, maybe we'll come back and help the club one day. You know, Gerard, being at Liverpool doing his coaching, he's Rangers manager now. And that's what I'm saying. It's disappointing and it's a bit embarrassing, to be honest, to, to look at these things. And I've been trying for a while and getting nothing much from Tony Scholes and Mark Hartwright, all these people. Who, who is he again, Mark Hartwright? Really, if, if Stoke wasn't in the Premiership, would he be here? With all the other people, Garrett Jennings and all these other people coming, uh, academy directors and all these, these things, would they even be at Stoke if we had never been in the Premiership? Hell no. It's kind of sad as well, though. Very sad. As well, like... With, with players like yourself and that you you are a connection you, like you say you are absolutely and so it's it's as much about as, as much as it is teaching players you know the, the the game it's about that connection of what it yeah. means to be at this club exactly and all these young players look up to us as well mm-hmm. every time we turn up at the games or even at the training ground all the players coming up and they're looking at us mm-hmm. these are the 18 players I'm talking about you know what I mean so I mean it would have been, you know, such in such good faith. Mm. Let's put it that way: such good faith to have us at the club. Mm. I mean, we have no harm. What can harm we do? Um, so I don't know what's the reason with the club why why it's going like that. I mean, I know I'm on my my UFB. I need one. I've got one last assessment to do, and I think that's the least you can have um, to work in the academy, the UFB. For Matthew Everington tried, Rory Dillard tried, Danny is now pundit. He's doing brilliantly, by the way. And um, credit to him. Liam Lawrence tried. I mean. And they, the, what they offered Liam was, um, he probably told you what they've offered, this nonsense deal that they offered. It's, it's a shame. Mm. It's a shame. Um, and they got players, as I say, people at the club now, I'm sure if we never got promoted, all these guys' hard work, all our hard work that we've done to achieve, because it wasn't easy getting promoted, mm. getting, getting promotion. As you can see now, a lot of those teams, Sunderland, look where they are now. It's not easy going back up. So we have done so, such great work at the club. Um, and they've, and then they're like treating us like that. It's a, it's sad and it's a shame. Yeah, are you annoyed at this group of guys then? After after ten years or whatever, is they, they've like undone that hard work you guys did to get us there in the first place? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not only that because we know clubs will be clubs, players will be players. We're professional players. We do a job, we get paid. But some players obviously stick to a club more often and longer, and they got some players more connected with the club and if some players just play football for football and uh, that's their job no problem but it's the way it's been done 
when I turned up um, when I turned up at um, uh, at the Britannia for the home games and see with my son most of the times, and I go there and see the games and I look, it's unbelievable the performance you see on the pitch, the lack of effort. You see player who is you know got more weight than all of us put together. <laughs> really, we're not players anymore. I'm 38. We're not even professional football players. Charlie Adam, Barayino. These people have been training every day and should be, should be lean and mean. Mm. These people have got weight. You can hardly run. Yeah. They've got another year on their contracts. Barayino probably have got three years. He wasn't even playing when we signed him. He was banned. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? And you've got players coming in, fighting over a penalty. And next thing you know, he's not turning up for training. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. find him. Now, I mean, they got a player, a wimmer, He's got more weight than us put together again. <laughs> yeah, 18 million. He was on the bench at, at, at 18 million. He was on the pounds. he was on the bench at um, not even on the bench. He was in the reserve of Tottenham or whatever it was. How do we manage to pay 18 million for these kind of players? <laughs> I already played in the reserve, and he was the worst player in the reserve. Like really. So when you see those kind of things, when you hear the stories, because most of the stories I've heard. Otherwise, I'm turning up at the stadium at home games and watching the games and see for myself what's going on down there. Lack of effort from Shakiri, who's meant to be the role model, is meant to be that man to go to when the club are in danger or in struggle or in struggle or struggling to get a point or struggling to get a victory. You see the lack of effort from him. You see the lack of commitment. Come on, man, that's not that's not our way. Because hmm. I'm in a team who who massively have effort and commitment and and skills and we have our moments, we have our fights. Don't get me wrong. But it's all for passion for winning, though. We're friends after, if we are fighting training, because we want you to train properly, or you're coming in too hard, and we let you know what it's about. But it's not about that. We show it on the pitch, and they, they just don't have that. And it's how it's been undone. That's the, that's the sad part of it. I suppose it, just the, you saying that makes me think of this season on the pod, for us, there's been a lot of discussion about Stoke has lost an identity. We've lost Absolutely. our identity. For you, then, what would you define as Stoke's identity? What is Stoke's? Okay, the identity is the effort. Mm-hmm. The identity is the quality of play. Which brilliant what they've done the first three years on the market is because they finished ninth. That's in the record books. That's the highest the club has finished in the, in the top five this time around or whatever. Or whatever. But they were fighting then. How we get undone and get relegated? There's no fight. Except for maybe the last six, seven games of the last six, seven games, where they start fighting. And if they had that kind of fight, that kind of effort and commitment and that kind of camaraderie, because the identity is the dressing rooms need to be one, and the dressing room wasn't one. It's like Frankenstein. (laughs) The head was come from somewhere else. The ears come from somewhere else. The legs come from, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, okay, can 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 this person add to this dressing room? Is he going to be a bad apple? Is he going to be a sulker? Is he going to be a motivator? You know what I mean? We, when we had a group, we were direct. We were aggressive. We were strong. We were unified. We had great camaraderie. Where we ended up, even the camaraderie sometimes was too much to cause fights. <laughs> Honestly. We had our, our periods out. We go golfing. We go bowling. But we go on nights out, Christmas nights out, we dress up in fancy dress and everybody have a laugh. You don't have half the team coming because you say we're going to, we got everybody coming. I reckon now that squad, if they say they have a night out, only probably half the team turn up. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not togetherness. Mm-hmm. You know, would be late, wouldn't it? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I would be late, but at least I'm still there. And yeah. they know my kind of lateness. It's not being rude. But his lateness is like, you don't give a F. And that's, that's the identity. Mm-hmm. As it is in most clubs. Yeah. So identity doesn't necessarily mean it's only for Stoke. Mm-hmm. It means the effort, the commitment, the togetherness have to be one and have to be yeah. above average. Yeah. yeah. You know I what think I mean? That's, that's what identity means. And I think that would be the biggest frustration for, for us as fans then this season is that, that I, th- I think football fans will forgive most things if yeah. they can see that. Well, you try. At least the last trying. five, six games. And... Yeah, well, for the, yeah. the start of the season up and, until... Well, and maybe that's why the fans didn't cane the group when they finally got relegated mathematically at the, mm-hmm. at the beat 365 because they saw the effort, the five, six games, mm-hmm. last five and six games, was, they were spot on. If they had had that fight before then or at the beginning of the season, they'd never be relegated. Yeah. 
Mark Hughes isn't going to uh, headbutt Hesse in the dressing room. Exactly, <laughs> and that and that shows the passion is a bit different, isn't it? Were you there for uh, James Beatty? Yes, yes, I was there. <laughs> was it was it a proper Zidane style thing? Or? Probably worse than that. All right. Yeah, he's trying to hit his in anything in his face. <laughs> But, but that's the way it goes, you know. Passion run high, but the fight was not only fight to say, I'm bullying this person or it's an assault. Mm. It's a fight because we lost the football game. Mm-hmm. Even though it was against Arsenal, we shouldn't be losing to them. Mm. Yeah, it come across wrong and it shouldn't be done. But in the end, we understand what it was about. And it happened so quickly, no one really see it. We, we can't believe it, really. It's like being stood in shock. Because it happened so quickly and it's, like, it's something that you never expect. But in the end, we understand what it was about. You know what I mean? And in the end, it was a bit nasty in the end with the paper this and the paper chat. And obviously the club looking after this person and not this person. But you know why these things happen. If we have a half of this, that fight that, that, we, that was shown right there, even me and Griff, if we have half of that fight in this lot there, in that lot there that got relegated, we would have been, we would have been safe. I promise you that. We would have been safe with you, with you and Griff. Then was was that a case of like at full time you just oh. shaking hands, you gotten over it kind of thing? No, after the after the game, after the game, and then the Monday coming in at the training, massive meeting. Obviously, you know something that you don't want to see happen, but it happens because of the way we are. We are aggressive. These things happen in training every day. But this is for it's for forty one thousand people <laughs> on Sky, half people around the world watching it. Um, so no, you don't want to see that in a proper game, in a first team game. But that's why it was. It was about the passion not to lose because me being back in Jamaica, when I lose, I used to cry and I used to fight. That's me. And maybe that's why um, most teams I play, with all due respect, we lose, we lose, but we, we win more than we lose because they know when I'm down, I'm trying to get back up. You can hit me down seven times and get up back eight, nine times and get them back, back ten. That's me. And I, and I think... Looking back, how it happened and what happened after that, after that fight between me and Griff, I think our performance got better <laughs> going forward. And hence, yeah. I'm telling you, because they know the type of person I am. They know the type of person Abdullah fights, him and, him and Danny having scruffs in, in training, Liam Lawrence and John Eustace having fights in training, because people want to see people doing better. Because we don't expect people to take the liberties in training and, and take the mickey and walking around in flip-flops and all these nonsense mm-hmm. when we should be training. Um, and that's who we are because the gaffer instilled that in us and he'll probably set people up to say have a go at him but he knows that the person who will have a go at that person he's going to retaliate because mm. he knows what he's doing he's, he's, you know it's, football I think is played more with the mind than with the legs you know it's more mental than physical and that's what happens with us so it's one of them games that the passion run too high and um, it comes across the way it did which is you know I, I pay heavily for that but in hindsight, it looks like it has created a positive reaction from the rest of the squad for the remainder of the season. Was there anyone you were a bit cautious about maybe uh, uh, dishing it out to? Because I, I always thought when it was it Whelan and Abdullah Fai had that thing at Chelsea. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Glenn Whelan is he's not that big. Yeah. Abdullah Fai is massive. Yeah. So fair yeah. play to Glenn Whelan. Yeah. Was, it, was there anyone in the dressing room who thought, oh, I don't know about this? No, but no one would do it because <laughs> because again the. The gaffer set up Glenn Whelan to do that. Really? Yeah. He, he, he provoked, not provoked, he, he, he gave him a poke to say, have a go at, <laughs> not literally poke him, <laughs> but he was hinting someone to have a go. And why would you have a go at Abdullah when you know this story? The story of that, again, in case you guys never know what happened, Abdullah was warming up in his flip flops mm. and we lost the game 7-0. Seven seven but we were already safe. Mm-hmm. A lot of us were celebrating before the game even kicked off, because we were so happy, you know, because everyone has written us off. Um, so, there's a couple of things against us. The club promised Abdullah Fai, if he quit Senegal, international career, they'd give him a two-year deal. They never did. So, he was basically taking the mickey, which, as players, you have to remember, you're a player as well, and Glenn Whelan forgot that he's a player as well. So, what happened to Abdullah Fai, it did happen to him. They replaced him, with Fletcher mm-hmm. you tell me now what's the difference there in any way in any ways Glenn should still be at the club and Fletcher should stay where he were because he would be much more um, much more input at Stoke than Fletcher ever did because they're the same players basically so that's what I'm saying they promised Abdullah Fai a two year deal um, um, a two year extension with him quitting Senegal he quit Senegal and the club never 
at the con- never had the meeting with him. So they were dr- they were pulling it off, putting it off, and he had, he got annoyed, and then he decided to take the piss as well, mm. and that's what happened. He was walking around his flip flops, warming up in his flip flops. But a lot of us know what what's going on. Glenn Wheeler no knew what's going on, even though we lost. I think that kind of got in his head, and we lost embarrassingly, and he decided to have a go. And look at Abdullah. Would you have a go at Abdullah? Come on, <laughs> come on. In that moment in time, it's not like Abdullah Fai. They give him a two-year deal and. I would have got him. Liam would have got him. Danny would have got him because Danny had got him before, which turned up a little bit nasty in the training as well. But that's it. We fight and we go again. And we, we, we're friends again and we're playing hard again. That's all we are. You know what I mean? So Glenn shouldn't have got a go at him because, to be fair, it's much more than what was going on on the pitch. We're losing 7 0. And that's what happened in that instance. We ended up, after that, I end up, you know, we all know what happened to Glenn Milan there. Um, I bet he'd never do it again. Um, <laughs> so that's the way it is. As I say, that Stoke team was a f- champion of passion. And we show, I mean, when we were losing games, we had that from the championship. When we were losing games, we never say never. I mean, that Chelsea game was probably the, the odd game that we probably lost. Um, embarrassing. I don't, that, I don't think that ever happened again. And um, we ever lose in Barcelona in my time. I'm trying to think. Yeah, we've never lost any other game. We went to Tottenham and beating them yeah. 1 0. Mm-hmm. You know, come back from Newcastle, drew 2-2, 2-0 down, Villa, we came and drew. Um, so we never really lost the game, and Bar says that again, I, can't, I cannot remember another one. But those kind of things, that's what it does. We are fighters, you know, we never say never, and that's what happens when a club like Stoke, when manager is Tony Pulis, everybody fights. Yeah. And things like uh, when Arsene Wenger is making comments about Stoke, does yes. that get the dressing room just... Oh, well. Gaff have a feel there with that because <laughs> you know you know that you can use that to, to wind us up and get us going. You know those those toy that I used to wind up and you let it go and it went, that's us. That's us. That's what the gaffer uses. He, he loves when the guy when when managers opposing managers make comments about us in the papers and on whatever on Sky or whatever. He'll use back those comments on the Sky. He'll, he'll take a picture of the clip and he'll he'll uh, print it out. And he stick it up in the, because we have a board that we know what's going on for every session, every day, you know, what's coming up. And he's put it up. And that's what he used to do at the Bolton game. He, he, stuck, he stuck up all these papers of all the comments from each and every pundit that said Bolton was going to run us over. <laughs> you know, and that's what he did. Um, so he knew his players and he did just that. Every time Wenger or any manager making the comments, he would use that to wind us up, get us going. Um. Uh, a few questions. Obviously, like people had loads of questions for you when we uh, tweeted that we were going to chat to you. Um, favorite moment as a player? Promotion, definitely. <laughs> I think it's better than better than the semi-final um, playing at Wembley. It's, that's up there, definitely up there. Obviously, it's Wembley. Um, a great win, historical win, five 0 against Bolton, and the way we did it, and the, what was going on before that. Um, even though I missed the finals because of obviously injury, definitely for me would be the promotion. Unbelievable day that was. Um, yeah, that was a. It was a tense ninety minutes because, of course, it was a nil-nil against Leicester. Yes. But when the first pitch invasion happened, were you just really annoyed? At the I moment? was annoyed. I got. I think I slapped. I slapped to the fans. Get off the pitch here. Get off the pitch because I don't want. They in any case in the back of my mind would they forfeit this game? Have to play this game all over again. That's probably was in the back of my mind. Um, and I was just annoyed. I hate when fans do that. I hate when fans do that. Not the wrong when the whistle finally goes, but don't don't mess it up. Don't spoil the day. And for them to do that, running onto the pitch at the time, I think they kind of spoiled the day. I think I met one of the fans that I actually slapped as well. He came and said, "You remember you slapped me, but that's the best slap I ever had." <laughs> I was laughing. I couldn't hold it in. I was laughing. He said, "That's the best slap he ever had." Because to be fair. Even if someone slapped me at that moment, would, I, would it matter? <laughs> my team just went going to the premiership. Yeah. I'm so happy. I think I came off in my brief. My shorts was missing. My shink pads was gone. I didn't know. <laughs> People were just tearing clothes off. <laughs> oh, my God. It was euphoria. Honestly, it was great. Um, another one is, uh, of all the players you've played with at Stoke, who was your... Who's your absolute favourite teammate you've had, either as a mate or as a oh. player? Well, to be fair, Leon Court, because we hung out, and Leon Court used to live on here as well, sorry. Leon Court and Tom Soares used to live on here. Leon lived around the back end where I live, so it would be like 
walking distance, a couple of minutes, driving, um, seconds. Um, um, so Leon lives on here as well. And we used to hang out as well. And then Tom Source came. Remember Tom Source? Mm. He came and he was joining us. But in terms of the entire group, we were a close-knit group. Even though we had our fights, we were a close-knit group. As I say, when we had any sessions of going out, Liverpool, or we going to Blackpool for Christmas night, or bowling, or, or uh, fishing, or whatever, this nonsense that they do, catch fish and put it back in. You catch fish, you fry that in the pan, man. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, catch fish, you put it back in. You know what I mean? We still have to turn up, you know? Um, bo- uh, bowling is golf. Yeah, we always together. So we have a closeness knit group, but Liam caught because we always, you know, we like a bit of going out every on the weekend and enjoying a bit of a, a bit of a drink and a good mm-hmm. laugh. So yeah, I think it'll be Liam Liam Court. So in terms of uh, opposition, then was there a certain kind of defender that you hated to play against, or was there any defender in particular? Oh yes, I think every every player, every striker has that fear. We have a certain kind of players that we don't like playing against. I don't mind the the, the, the the aggressive or dirty players or the strong players, but the one that I have not problems, it's tough for me to get by them. I have to keep trying, keep trying. It's not so easy. Sometimes I have to keep trying for 90 minutes mm-hmm. till they're really tired. Is the competitive ones. Mm. Players like company, athletic ones and the competitive ones, those are the ones that's hard. The athleticism in players makes it difficult because when you beat them once, they come back, you beat them again, they come back, you beat them again. Sometimes you beat company three times, it's still coming back for more. <laughs> like, yeah. this guy's going to ever get tired. Company, Vidic, the athleticism in those kind of defenders, athletic, athletic defenders are the ones that does me most because not only they're athletic, they're strong, they read the game well, and those are the attributes in defenders that makes them top defenders. So those are the ones that I hate playing against. And also there's... A, there's we've, got, we've got to talk about some of the fantastic goals you've scored because <laughs> you, you watch them on YouTube and stuff you think bloody hell uh, the goal at West Ham where <laughs> you basically just tear the whole team that's, apart that's like, <laughs> when, when you get the ball that's like are, are you thinking I'm going to do these all now or what, what kind of happens <laughs> well there? you know I do these things in training all the time in five size, no one like everyone wants to be on their team because they expect me to, to, to take the Mickey out of people on the pitch, and that's always been my game growing up in Jamaica. We used to have one ball on the pitch, and it's about a hundred kids trying to get the one ball. <laughs> so when you get that ball, you have to keep it for as long as you can. So I think that's why the Jamaican players kind of had that skill, um, skill attributes to their games, you know. Um, so me being me, especially that game meant so much to me where the the game before, I had a red card with Griffith, mm-hmm. with my teammate Andy, mm-hmm. where I ended up slapping him and whatever. And, and, and it, you know, it's back there this, this next season. So I needed to do so. And the guy for bench me as well. Mm-hmm. And I hate sitting on benches. So when I come off the bench, I can remember I was boiling. I was boiling to get on. I was itching to get on. So with those kind of things adding up, it's only going to create. And if I control myself, if I manage my, those kind of feelings the right way, selling it in the right way, I can do stuff like this because it's, it's, it's within me already. You know, as I say, I grew up on sk- a lot of skill work in Jamaica. Um, I was one of the, sk- obviously, among skill players, I wear number 10 for Jamaica. A Brazilian don't give a, a player number 10 unless he knows he's got abilities. Mm. You know, we had a Brazilian coach at the time, René Simons, when he got qualified in 98. So uh, those kind of abilities were as well, was, was already inside of me. So I needed to do something special for that game and I was on the bench, all adding up. You know, the ball came over and I thought, you know what, there's nobody around me more than the West Ham players. What am I going to do? And I look up and I saw, OK, then, maybe me, I drive at him. I go one way, go back the other way, create the space, flip it over his leg, chopped it back and tore them. They couldn't touch me once I get into the box. <laughs> and what I did was I said, OK, it's Matthew Upson uh, covering in. I pushed the ball to the, to the inside like I'm going to the goal and sharply cut it back. And that's him run past me, gone. And I said, okay, I got the keeper to be, to be fair. I kind of panicked because I thought, this would be easy me getting in. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be a lot harder. And in my, in my head, I'm trying to think while I got the goal to score, I kind of panicked because I thought, fuck, this is easy. The goal is right there now. What are you going to do? And I just remember I just kind of like composed myself. I think I did it like split seconds just trying to compose myself. I look one way and I just kicked it the other way and Rob Green started to go the other way and just went in. It looked easy, but it was tough. It was tough. When the, when the opportunity actually presented itself between me and Rod Green, only him to beat, I panicked a bit. But I, 
I don't know, I just had to calm myself and compose myself in just a split second just to make sure I finished that goal. And in the end, it turned out to be a brilliant goal, it was. Mm. And there's the one at Wolves as yeah. well, with the kind of around the length of the yeah, pitch. Yeah, uh, Salif Dio, almost a penalty. <laughs> oh, no, no, it could have gone. <laughs> I think it was a penalty. Really. Well, to be fair, he had the ball as well, but some ref could give it and some couldn't. So, you go that way, it still was a fair call, to be honest, by the ref. If he had given a pen, we, could, we would take it as well, because it was either or either, it's not a problem. But it wasn't, and that day, and I don't think I remember again, no one was no one was yeah, was with me, and I thought there's two Wolves player and Carl Henry chasing me down, and I thought I looked up and I thought you know what, I'm going there, I ain't stopping. <laughs> I just started to run, and I remember pushing him off, trying to keep him off, and two of them was in front of me, they were just wiggling inside out. Because if you go straight, it's easier for him to deal with the ones coming in front of you, and he got him to deal with Carl Henry on the back. So I thought, you know, let me go this way, let me go this way. But at the same time, I'm still going forward. <laughs> just trying to shift the defender, shift the defender, shift the defender. And then when I reach in the box, I thought, okay, then let me just go by him now. So step one way, push it on my strong foot, just to give myself the leverage and just try to hit it as hard as I can across the keeper. By then, it was in the back of the net, it was unbelievable. When I looked, there's nobody in sight. There's no Stokely in sight. I think I was celebrating for what? Three minutes running around <laughs> in front of the Stoke fans. Was it no the the, the, the Wolves fans? Because the Wolves fans was that, that, but, but that that end in it. So I was celebrating. I forgot that he's the Wolves fans that was. So I was just running. <laughs> Next thing I know, my everybody came dive on me. I said, "Rick, it's come up. It's that end. It's that end." It was funny. It was funny. I was like, "Oh man, it was funny." That's um, brilliant. So. You've, you mentioned there you, you kind of want to get into coaching. You're doing your your way Yeah, to yeah, man, my B. Is that is that what the next step is for you? Yes, yes. I would have had it, I would have had the last assessment done last month only because my daughter was born. She's a one month old now, so you know that. Lot no sleep at the minute. You hear the noise in the background, crying. And I reckon it's them calling me now. They want to go for a walk. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so I put it off. Um, I think I'm in Jamaica next month. So when I come back. I'm trying to get. I'm going to try and get it done in August because I'm I'm in Jamaica for a month now. I'm on the second of July, uh, family, family, my wife, my um, sister getting married, um, so um, we're going home for a bit. So well, yeah, uh, that's we'll, the next step. The UFB completion. We'll, we'll let you get back to your family in a sec. We'll just run through some uh, yeah. quick ones. Uh, could, could you ask him if it was true that Pulis hit Jermaine Pennant with a fire extinguisher? What? No, that's not true. Oh. No, that's that is brutal. That 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 that'd be that'd be jail time. Man. Yeah, no, he'd never do something. Like he'd never so do something stupid like that. Now, mm. one thing with him, he's 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 he might be a hard man, but he's not like that. He loves Jeremy Pennant as well. Mm. Yeah, you know how many yeah, chances yeah. he gave Jermaine? He went to bail Jermaine at one time. Yeah. Remember, he got Jermaine's girlfriend and bail him. Got her to bail him. Wow. Because he was in jail, he couldn't call nobody else. So no, he's, he could never do yeah. that. No chance. Oh, oh. This, um, Ignore that rumor then. Um, Saido Berahino, does he? Ha- is there any kind of redemption for him? Could he, if he put the effort in, could he be the player he was in that kind of first season at West Brom? Or Ab- do, you, do you think time to cut our losses? No, absolutely. He's still young. Mm. Weight is not a problem. He can get that off. He's a, he's a professional. He can if he trains properly. If the coach, if he if he eats right, if he sleeps right, if he rests well, it's not a problem. He's still young. The money they spent, I can understand why the club spent the money, but I cannot understand he's been banned. Oh, you're buying for 18 million mm. and he's banned. He couldn't play when he just came, remember? Mm. So, how do you do that? So, no, I don't think we should cut a lot. I think we should get a manager to put the arms around him a little bit, get his head right, train him well, put him on a good uh, nutrition wise regime, um, you know, manage him properly. The gaffer used to pass my house every day, every Friday night, because he knows I like a night out, but not before a game. Mm. But he likes to do that because he think I used to see his car. But even doing that, let me think, oh, the gaffer is watching me. Okay, I'll stay in. Even sometimes I could stay in. I say, I go out. But if you see the gaffer car pass, say, okay, the gaffer is there. I'm not going out. I don't want him to see me. Some players you have to treat like that because that's the way it is. Maverick players, mercurial players, whatever you want to call it, these players oftentimes cool, cool. You know what I mean? They do brilliant stuff. But it's the way it is. There's so many players you can class in that aspect of, of things Berbitov mm. you know there might be a nightmare Van Persie but they're brilliant players aren't they he has a massive problem no doubt um, he hasn't been scoring for, ye- for for seasons he's lost form he's bad bad reports all these things but 
we already bought him. We had 80 million on him. We've got what, two years, three years left? Mm-hmm. Who's going to buy him? Can't just cut our losses. Who's yeah. going to buy him? That's the thing. Yeah, so it's either we're going to train him well or put him out on loan to get him right to look after him. Because if he can find that form that he did for West Brom when Tottenham only paid 20 or 30 million for him, that's what we're going to need to get us back up. Mm-hmm. And he'll, be, he'll probably work twice as much then. Because yeah. these days with players like him, finding back that form, pay a lot of money for players like that if you can find out that form. We're sitting here then and obviously we're, we're obviously devastated we're going down but uh, I think me and Chris are both quite excited about Gary Rowe. I think he's a good young manager. Uh, maybe if he brings Roy Delap with him on the coaching staff that would be a big... Brilliant, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Big boost as well. Right, what is the main thing that needs to happen at Stoke if we're going to get back on? What, what's kind of the main difference that needs to happen? Well, first and foremost, we, a lot of people ask me, oh, Gary Rowett, uh, is he the right one? Of course he's the right one. The club I got the club appointed him. So we have to back him now, no matter what. Whether or not I would prefer David Moyes or Big Sam, someone else would prefer somebody else, you know, whatever. He is a bright manager, for sure. He's a young manager, for sure. He's done well with Birmingham City. He's done well with Derby. He's experienced to the Premiership, yes. He's experienced to the Championship at this age, still yes, because he's only had a few years in the championship, um, made it to the playoff, yes. So what really needs to happen is that the fans, everybody associated with with, with Stoke, the ex-players, myself, whatever, everybody else, is to back him, support him. Obviously, we never stop supporting the club, support him and get behind him as much as possible because what he's going to need is definitely going to need our support as fans to be that 12th man again. And also, for him, he's going to need to try and get rid of as much as as possible like a dead wood in that group of players that's there now that, that's there now mm. I mean he's got a few so far yes but he's got to have players as I say the identity which we spoke about people who's going to give everything the effort committed to the club who's not going to be afraid to go into challenges to back down not be afraid to give up if you miss 10 keep going again for the 11th you know what I mean? We've got to have players who can score goals. got to be to get a good striker who can score goals. Who's not going to be afraid if they miss a chance, they're going to go hiding. No, mm. we don't want that. Because championship is brutal. Because if we can't get rid of these players, mark my word, it could be a bad season. could be could be a Sunderland here. Mm-hmm. could be go championship, championship, league one. Because look at it. Wolves, Bolton, Sunderland have all done it. Where they've, they played so badly in the Premier League, they got relegated. And they kept most of their players. Reason being, no one wanted them. They did so badly. I'm, I'm afraid of that, that that could be the case of Stoke if we don't do something, if the, the manager and the club don't do something about that. Because if they don't, you could be looking at a Sunderland, a Bolton, uh, uh, a Wolves all over again. And that's what we don't want. We want to get up back as soon as possible. So he needs to get rid of all that dead wood in that group, bring in some good mentality players, you know, that he knows can do the business in, his, in, in the championship and get, and get the club promoted again. Absolutely. Uh, and finally then, uh, what's your favourite nightclub in Stoke? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I'm a Jamaican. I love going out. Um, I think that helps me because remember, my culture is different from being in England. Look at you saying both. So who we are, Chris Gale. That's who we are. Marlon Summers. We like a night out, but not before a game. <laughs> or never a Thursday before a game because we don't do that. The week before a game, the week after a game, the day after a game or the day after the game or the day when the game is finished mm-hmm. in the night Saturday night whatever fine because that keeps me going that keeps me happy if I'm happy and I'm training hard and I'm rested and I've rested well because I like to do things in moderation but, some, but I love to enjoy myself and that's not that's been good I like back in the day we used to go to touch yeah. um, that's not there anymore it's been gone for eight, for ages now um, liquid it's not, I think it's not fiction or whatever. Mm. Yes. But yeah, I go to, I go to Foyer now on a Friday night sometimes. That's the club I go to every now and again. Because I like to go local. Because yeah. I, I don't like to go too far. There's lots of roadworks, roadworks going on in Manchester. <laughs> so I don't like to go in Manchester anymore. I go I go Newcastle on the line now. And did Stoke people want to buy you a drink because you were No, not really that. I like <laughs> to buy my own drinks to be fair. I don't like taking drinks from people because from... Obviously, me being... Living in Jamaica... You know, when you, when you just join the Jamaican team, I don't smoke, by the way. Mm. I don't take coke and all these things. You know, players get duped into these things yeah. and drinks, spike and everything. We've always been told not to take drinks from people by our 
because whatever goes in your body is you. So if you got coke in the system, I go into training on a Monday, and somebody buy me a drink, and somebody puts whatever shit in, sorry, whatever crap in there, and it causes a problem, and I go and the the, the drug test guy just pops up because it's, it's yeah. you know they just turn up and then test test whatever players. The next thing I, I pee and it got cocaine in it. Who's gonna get banned? They're not gonna say, I I knew what I was doing. They'll say, yeah, you knew it. Whatever goes in your body. So I never, unless I know you for sure, that's the only reason. Anyone can tell you who seen me out. Tens of people try to buy me a drink. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Loads of people try to buy me a drink. Um, I I refuse it unless I know you for sure. And, and nine to ten times I refuse it anyways because I don't like to drink because mm. I drive most of the time, you see. Yeah. And I've never, I've been drunk three times in 20 years living in England. Three That's times good. in 20 years. Wow. <laughs> once in Manchester, once in, in, in Glasgow when I was at Hearts and, and once in, in London. So never, not even been drunk and stuff because I always, <laughs> I like to drive, you see. So yeah, um, and of course, if I go to Stoke and Hanley, you know, there's a lot of Stoke fans, they're going to come up. I don't mind taking pictures because I'm already in Hanley. Stoke fans are in Hanley. What do you expect if you go out? So why go out and not take picture or try to be arrogant or rude to the fans? I couldn't be like that. Plus, I am me. I like to go out and enjoy myself. If picture needs to take, take your picture, no problem. So yeah, four years in the club to go to, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> kind of follow. Thank you very much.